Hello, and welcome to the Book Speaks podcast, where the book speaks for itself. I'm your host, Benjamin Douglas, and this is the show where each week I read a chapter from a different indie author. Thanks for joining me for today's reading. everybody, readers and writers alike, welcome to the 50th episode, that's 5-0, of the Book Speaks podcast, where the book speaks for itself. As always, I'm your host, indie author and indie author enthusiast, Benjamin Douglas. <laughs> and I can't say thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I've been getting on the mic for 50 episodes now. 50 times I've done this. That's, oh, good grief. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> and um, potentially up to 50 times you've tuned in to listen to an excerpt read from the work of an indie author. So I thank you. Thanks to all my writer friends over on uh, Twitter and Kboards and the 20 Books to 50K group and the um, Indie Author Life group and all the other groups I'm in. Y'all are awesome. Thank you to readers who tune in just to ex be exposed to uh, some new work. That's great of you, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this journey. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you are, too. What, the, the uh, initiate asks, is an indie author? <laughs> anyway, well, I'm not talking about indie publishing houses, necessarily. I'm really talking about self-publishers, uh, because we are in the midst of the self-publishing revolution that's been going on for a few years now. Now, a decade ago, maybe even up to five years ago, the idea of self-publishing really kind of had this stigma, you know, oh, that's vanity publishing, that's really just what you do if, you know, you want to see your name in print and no one will take it. But the reality is more and more respectable writers are choosing to self-publish their work as indie authors because of greater freedom, uh, more um, higher royalties, uh, the ability to churn out more, you know, freedom with your schedule, freedom with promotion, just the ability to do it all yourself is really appealing to some people. Uh, and, and you have the potential to make more money assuming that you're not, you know, one of like the top 5% earners in traditional publishing, who obviously are gods and goddesses, uh, like J.K. Rowling and Stephen King. There are very few of them. <laughs> so I've been told and given to understand. Uh, anyway, um, so it's an exciting time to be a writer. It's an exciting time to be a self-publisher or an indie author. I prefer the term indie author uh, just because it's kind of taken on a life thanks in no small part to Joanna Penn's preferring the term as well. Um, and uh, I like the way it sort of evokes indie musician. <laughs> Something that I think is kind of interesting is that indie films and indie music are often prized by critics in those fields as more serious than blockbusters or commercial pop hits. But in writing, uh, it's been an uphill battle for self-publishers. The idea of indie, like I said, it's had this stigma. But we're seeing that go away. And part of the reason is because um, you get the chance as an indie author to put your work out in front of the public with as few gatekeepers as you want and let the market decide, that is, let the readers decide if they're going to buy it and like it and share it and get other people to buy it and like it and share it and so on and so forth. Uh, if you put a self-published book out and it tanks, hey, 
maybe the book sucks. <laughs> I mean, maybe it doesn't. Maybe there are mitigating factors, but maybe the book sucks. Maybe there's a reason it wouldn't have gotten published traditionally. But if you put out a self-publishing book, a, a self-published book rather, and begin a series or, or, or begin to put out, you know, multiple books a year or even a book a month, and you start to earn six figures, high six figures, believe it or not, a handful of people, seven figures a year, you're onto something, my friend. And there are people doing that. So uh, yeah, it's exciting. Gatekeeper, uh, traditional publishing, we call that whole mechanism. Uh, gatekeepers <laughs> as indies because uh, y you send your manuscript off and it gets, you know, thrown into a slush pile, presumably. And who knows how many sets of eyes have to go through it before it really gets stamped for approval and you get an advance. But if you self-publish, you have the freedom to be the only set of eyes on your manuscript. Now, best practices do not recommend that. Most people agree you should at least use some beta readers, if not pay a professional editor or two, depending on your skill level and where you are, uh, maybe as much as a developmental edit. But um, you, you have the freedom to put it out just by yourself. And there are outlier stories. Uh, they seem to be fewer and fewer uh, as the market gets filled up, but it does still happen where people put it out with only their eyes on it and it takes off. It's a life of its own. So that's incredibly exciting. Even if it's becoming uh, less of a daily slog and more of a lottery to hit that jackpot, that's really exciting. And what's even maybe more exciting is that the daily slog part of it does seem to be um, uh, scalable income is what Joanna Penn calls it. I would I would say uh, it becomes a, a livable... <laughs> <laughs> uh, occupation. <laughs> Something you can actually do for a job. So anyway, all that is an introduction to indie publishing. If you don't know what that is, indie writing, indie authors. Today, to celebrate 5-0, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time, guys. I'm going to read a little bit from my own work, The Science Fiction of Benjamin Douglas. And don't worry, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating one year of episodes. That's episode number 52. And we're going to do something really exciting then that won't involve my own work. <laughs> but today... I'm going to read from the work of moi, Benjamin Douglas. So I'm going to begin now by reading my Amazon author bio. Yes. Benjamin Douglas writes action adventure science fiction with a quick pace, memorable characters, and twisting plots to keep you reading into the wee hours. Opt in to receive his monthly, bi-monthly newsletter and get an exclusive free short story, The Trials of Eo, a prequel to his ongoing Starship Fairfax series. You can find and follow Benjamin at the following locations, and then I have links for my newsletter, Twitter, Goodreads, blog, and my email, and uh, this podcast. Good. All right, so there's the gist of it. Uh, if you go check out my Amazon author page, you're going to see nine books. Two of them are anthologies, The Officer and The Guardian. Both of those are 11 science fiction short story anthologies um, by Alastair Shaw, editor. Uh, and I've got a couple of free books in those, free short stories. One of them from which I'll be reading today is called Stowaway. And the other uh, has probably been my most popular title. It's called 
totaled. And those, by the way, by themselves are perma-free on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, if you like Nook, or Smashwords Direct. So that means uh, they're completely free all the time. They're both short stories, though. I think between ooh, five and 7,000 words each. They're pretty short. Uh, they are both prequels to the Starship Fairfax series, which I'm five titles deep into, uh, beginning with the Lunar Gambit. The thing about my Starship Fairfax series <laughs> is, so this is the way I've been framing this in my mind lately. 2017 was the year I took the plunge and started self-publishing and started this podcast. 2018 is the year of work. <laughs> I'm just going to work my tail off writing. <clears throat> and 2019 is going to continue that, but it's going to be my breakout year when I've decided I will make at least... $30,000 in the year. And if I don't make at least 12000 in the year, that is, if I don't clear at least 1000 uh gross um, a month, then I'm going to seriously reevaluate my writing and consider possibly throwing in the towel or more likely starting over with a different pen name, <laughs> possibly in a different genre. <laughs> but I really like Benjamin Douglas. Uh, it is actually my name, my first and middle. So I plan on sticking around with this pen name for a while. And I've been encouraged by the release of my series. It's my freshman series. It has a lot of weaknesses. I'm just being honest with you guys. I'm not going to lie to you right now. It has a lot of strengths, too. Um, exciting action adventure. Very quick-paced plot. Some really cool characters I've been told by the readers. Some of them really like some of the characters. But I'm very aware, as my own harshest self-critic, <laughs> that... Um, uh, it needs fleshing out, <laughs> and it needs uh, sometimes, especially in the later books, a little more stream of of direction to the plot. I get all these subplots going, and ah, what's happening? So I'm actually planning this year to rewrite the series. Um, right now, I'm finishing my dissertation, by the way. If you follow me as an author, that's why I haven't put anything out in about three months. <laughs> I'm, I'm suddenly radio silent because I'm finishing my academic work, but I'm going to rewrite that series um, and add significant length to each title, um, fleshing things out quite a bit. And I'm still contemplating whether to relaunch them with new titles and new um, ASINs, which I hear is really smart, or just to say they're, you know, second edition. I'll figure that out and I'll announce it on the show. I also have a couple of co-writing projects coming up, which I'm not ready to tell you who they're with yet, but one of them is a peer of mine, someone who also started last year, who's doing pretty well in uh, sort of cyberpunk and sci-fi, and the other is more of an influencer, someone who's had a, a kind of an exciting career over the past two or three years in science fiction and military science fiction. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to co-write in his universe. I'm very excited. So um, stay tuned for more announcements on those. It's going to be really exciting for me <laughs> and hopefully for you too. <laughs> oh, good grief. All right. So anyway, the, the book from which I'm reading today is uh, Stowaway. It is, as I say, a short story that takes place before the events of the Lunar Gambit, which is Starship Fairfax, book one. And what I'd like to do before I begin the title is read the book blurb on Amazon, the book descri description, pardon me. Running for her life, living in the walls. Ada Xander has just escaped death in the Kuiper colonies. 
Now she's hitched a ride on a pirate freighter heading in-system, hoping she can get away from the men who killed her mother and sister, and find answers about what happened to her father. But first, she'll have to survive the journey. No one is safe in space, especially not stowaways. All right, there we go. Woo! Are you hooked? <laughs> I hope. Oh, gosh. It's going to be a short reading because um, even though this is a short story, like 5,000 words, <laughs> I did divide it into little like sort of mini chapters. And I'm only going to read the first one, uh, both for time and because uh, it's um, it ends nicely, I think. There's a nice little introduction of a couple characters and you get a setup and, and then what's going to happen next? <laughs> so if you enjoy the story, again, it is free perma-free on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Smashwords Direct. It's also posted on my blog at benjamindouglasbooks.wordpress.com. You can read the whole thing there. Uh, super fun. So uh, thanks again. All right. So without any uh, further ado, I'm just going to jump right into Stowaway. One. Ada Zander woke up cold, stiff, and standing up in pitch darkness. She tried thrusting her hands out in front of her, but they were stopped by a wall of metal. Her mind raced. She tried to slow her breathing, remembering where she was. Oxygen was limited. If she hyperventilated, she might pass out and never wake up. Slowly, Cautiously, she ran her fingertips down the right side of the wall until her hand met the small protuberance. There you are, she thought. The latch wasn't meant to be opened from the inside. It had been installed as a redundancy, no doubt, in case the ship operators had ever needed to smuggle persons, but most of the time, small cabinets like the one into which Ada had stuffed herself were probably crammed full of ill-gotten goods or illicit compounds. Her fingers locked around the latch. She pulled, it clicked, and the wall swung forward. Ada blinked. Dull white running lights along the top and bottom of the opposite wall cast the corridor in a cold sort of glow. She began falling forward, her legs too stiff to respond to her will to walk. Instead, she leaned in against the left wall of the cupboard, grasping the edge of it as her body swung out and around. She belly-slammed the corridor wall, gasping. No one else was in sight, the hallway quiet. She stood there a moment, just breathing, letting the blood flow back to her legs. Of all the risky stunts she had pulled, so far this one had to take the cake. So much of the fact she was even still alive came down to luck. Lucky the cupboard had been empty. Lucky they hadn't checked it before takeoff. Lucky they'd kept minimal life support running in this corridor. Minimal, she reminded herself, shivering. Her teeth chattered and she almost laughed. Lucky or not, she was alive. And that was something. She resolved to find a better hideout than the cupboard. 
She had no idea how long the ship would be out or where it would take her, though she could hazard an educated guess or two. They were almost certainly headed in-system, and anything in-system was good enough for now. Anything away from the colonies. She stepped away from the wall, testing her legs. They were sore, but they held her up. So far, so good. The corridor curved out of sight in either direction, doubtless following the curvature of the hull. She decided to explore first to the left. She'd made it about thirty meters when the corridor turned sharply, a hatch around the bend. Turn around now, or try the hatch. If she could get out of this hallway, maybe she could find a section of the ship kept warm with more than just residual heating. The decision was made for her when the hatch began to hiss open. Ada froze, her heart leaping into her throat. She'd never make it back to her cabinet before being seen. She leapt to the right and tested the wall for more hidden latches, moving frantically up the hallway, but her fingers found no purchase. Any second now, and it would be too late. Groaning inwardly, she jumped toward the hatch and threw herself against the wall beside it, flattening her back. She was out in plain sight, but it was the best she could do. Maybe whoever it was would come in without glancing to the side of the door. Maybe her luck would hold. Two figures passed through the hatch and into the corridor. Both were of a medium height, and both clad in dark, nondescript clothing. They were chatting in muted voices about the virtues of the ship's sim ale, specifically the headaches it had given both of them after a night of celebrating their current haul. Neither of them spared Ada a glance. Hope flickered in her heart. They'd taken a few steps when she made her move, she sucked in a quiet breath and spun on the balls of her feet, slipping through the open hatch. It hissed behind her as she dodged into a new hallway and ran right into a tall, broad-shouldered hulk of a man. Whoa, he rumbled. She tried to back away, but his hands around her arms held her in place. Do I know ya? Let me go, she hissed, struggling to get leverage. She kicked in futility. The man peered down at her, frowning. Okay. He released her. She turned to run, but all that stood before her was the closed hatch, and she knew what lay behind it. So she turned again, but there was no room to get around the man. He fully blocked the narrow hallway. Can I get by? Well, now, I don't know. He scratched the back of his head. It ain't every day I find a beautiful young girl down here in the cargo pipes, you know. Some days, sure, but not every day. So it begs the question, who are you? 
What are you doing down here? Ada pursed her lips. The man didn't sound overly bright. She wasn't used to that. Back in the family mine on Siron II, between her mother, her father, and her younger sister, she'd been surrounded by brilliance. All this guy seemed to have going for him was the fact that he was too large to sneak past. Uh, she fumbled. Maintenance? Hmm. He narrowed his eyes. I don't remember anyone putting an order in. Think I'd have remembered that, seeing as how I'm the one typically does that sort of thing. His frown deepened. Ada swallowed a lump. No, she said. Well, who are you? I haven't seen you before. Are you supposed to be on this ship? Desperate, she knew. He laughed, a good, deep belly laugh. She hadn't expected to hear it from a pirate. She thought they all laughed like a passel of spiders about to descend on the prey trapped in their webs. But this hulking doofus laughed like an honest man. It was a sound that instantly made her want to like him. Something beeped, and he stopped laughing. He slapped a device on his wrist, opening a comm. Bone crusher, he growled. Crush, you gonna join us down here or what? The voice that came over the channel was pinched and nasally. Yeah, yeah, on my way. He shut it down. Well, sweetheart, sounds like duty calls. So what'll it be? Come clean to Crush or come with and face the committee. Time's a tickin'. Ada cursed in her mind. Well, what was there to lose? She couldn't escape right now anyway, and he clearly wasn't buying the lie. Okay, look, I hitched a ride on Siron too. Put that much together myself. I was in danger! His eyes narrowed again. No, really. I was being hunted down by... by... I don't know. I think they were sent by the council. Now you're just telling me what you think I want to hear. Hardly. Look, I may just be a stowaway to you, but I'm telling you, I'm running for my life. And I don't need anything from you. Just let me lay low until you stop someplace in system, and I'll be out of your hair, I promise. He laughed again, a little less raucously this time. <laughs> no, no, that won't do at all. Maybe if I was in charge, sure, but that ain't how it works. We ain't got a stop plan for at least a week, see, so you'll need things. Food, water, place to sleep. And I can't get you all those without being noticed. Ship ain't no place for a pet. She recoiled a little at the idea of being his pet. We got what you might call a standard practice with stowaways. He went on. Know what we do with them? Uh, feed them breakfast and put them on dish duty? Huh. Nope. We space them. Her mouth went dry. She'd feared things might go this way if she were discovered. Every muscle in her body tensed as she began considering how best to tackle him. 
Not that it would do any good. She doubted she'd be able to so much as scratch him before he subdued her. Thing is, he said, I'm the only one knows you're a stowaway like that, see? So what if the others never found out you hopped on board for a free ride? What if they thought you were brought on as a recruit, you know, like a cabin boy or girl? And I just hadn't gotten around to telling him yet. Her eyes widened. Are, are you serious? He shrugged. Never much cared for space and folks myself. I'd rather squeeze the life out of a man while I'm looking him in the eye, good and honest-like, you know? Besides, I couldn't do either to a cute little thing like you. She frowned, worried she knew where this was going. What's the hitch? No hitch. He raised his hands. No stowaway, no spacing. That's simple. Hmm... The calm crackled to life again. Crush, what's the holdup? Need some manpower down here. Coming. Ada raised a hand to her face, spit in her palm, and held it out. She could worry about the fine print later. Bone Crusher smiled, spit in his own meaty hand, and took hers for a firm shake. Bone Crusher he said. Ada, pleasure. So what now? Follow me and follow my lead. Bone Crusher squeezed past her, not taking too much trouble to prevent himself from rubbing against her on his way, opened the hatch and ambled through. For a moment, Ada considered running, but where could she go? Now that her presence was known, there was no hope in hiding. She took a breath, leaned into her luck once more, and followed through the hatch. This concludes another episode of the Book Speaks podcast, where the book speaks for itself. Thanks for joining me, your host, Benjamin Douglas, for another indie author reading. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit http colon slash slash thebookspeakspodcast.wordpress.com for more episodes and for links to the author's website and the author's Amazon author page in the show notes. If you'd like to follow me on my own author journey, you can find me at http colon slash slash benjamindouglasbooks.wordpress.com. And of course, if you're an indie author interested in having your work featured on the show, or if you're interested in discussing having your book read and produced by me as an audiobook, feel free to contact me at benjamindouglasbooks at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a productive and enjoyable weekend. <laughs>